The next train to Tangent City departs in one minute. This is an unlimited service that may stop at reviews, spoilers, and swearing. Passengers traveling with young or conservative travel companions are reminded to read the show description before embarking on any journey to Tangent City. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello. Hello. Hello, boys and girls. Lewis <laughs> <laughs> hasn't even got his headphones on. I'm like, he's, nah, let's get the show on the road. He's definitely engaged in, I think, some research, yeah, which um, he, he looks, yep, he's very researchy. He's, he's got his glasses on. He's some trivia. <laughs> you know, someone's got to be the uh, the professional <laughs> in the situation. No. Um it's always good to be informed, isn't it? I think it so. Is, yeah, isn't yeah. It? It's, it's like you know, then when you can, uh, when you're discussing things, you can yeah. put in like you know facts and uh, and not just make shit up like we usually do. <laughs> facts and figures, yeah. according to Wikipedia, make stuff up. We just take educated mm. guesses. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference, people. Uh, yeah, at least we uh, half the time when we say something, we've heard it from something. So, yeah, you know, someone. Yeah. I'm sure it's a reliable source. <laughs> allegedly. We'll just chuck allegedly onto the front of everything <laughs> and it's okay. That works. Um, Lewis. Yes. As the comic nerd <laughs> of this crew, <laughs> I think you should probably introduce this one. Right. Okay. So welcome to uh, Tangent City. Uh, my name's Lewis, as has been uh, you know, already uh, you know, given away by what <gasps> Cat. Spoilers. Uh, sitting across from me is Cat. Uh, and sitting next to me is Cecilia. Hello. Uh, we we haven't got any any Rachel. She's on sabbatical for the moment. So uh, sabbatical. Yes. Love that word. One one day I'm sure she will be back. So uh, like Sabbath, that means like rest. Like, I, is it from like what's the etymology? That's an interesting. I've always felt like it's for like professors who go off and um, spend weeks or months or whatever mm. well, researching or doing something educate. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I feel like there's a correct. There must be a connection between Sabbath and sabbatical. I think you're right. I, I do. I think you're right. Sabbatical. I think I think Kat's going to find find out what it is. Uh, on on the show today, we uh, we're going to be doing another one of our uh, spoiler casts. Uh, so we've got a, a spoiler bell here. So uh, just so to to let you know, we're going to be talking about the uh, the Suicide Squad, the new James Gunn uh, film, uh, which just has recently just come out because uh, it's we uh, so and I reviewed it on Tangent City this week, but we wanted to do a more of a deep dive yes. into it because there's um, a lot to talk about because in this film. Film, uh, it's different from other comic book superhero films because in those other comic book superhero films, there's generally no stakes and you don't think that any of the characters are going to die or anything like that. Um, yeah, obviously there's, there's exceptions to the rule. There's, mm-hmm. you know, Endgame. We had a few, few comic book characters deaths in there. Uh, but in, uh, most, most movies, you know that they're, the characters aren't going to die. Whereas mm-hmm. in Suicide Squad, you know that characters are going to die. We don't. Not the beginning. What do you mean, not the beginning? Not the beginning. The beginning was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Yeah. That kind of ha- – it happened and unraveled so quickly. But um, I loved the fact that it just jumped in. Did it, did it surprise you that people died? In the, in well, the- I knew people were going to die, but not 
not like that at the beginning where no, they just kind expect, of like, got just, wiped off so they, quickly. They got you invested in those characters. <laughs> they did because they introduced you. They they put together the task force and you learnt about them and then all of a sudden half of them were just gone. Well, I think, more than half, I think wasn't it was it? one of the biggest bait and switches yeah. in the first what like 10 minutes of the movie yeah. that I've ever seen. Really? I I knew going in I was just like uh, when cuz when you see the trailers and you see uh, Idris Elba and King Shark and Oh, see, I hadn't seen anything ah, about this movie right. neither. Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, going in, and the the team they showed you was um, Joel Kinnaman's Rick, uh, Colonel Rick Flag, uh, Michael Roker as Savant, um, Nathan Fillion as TDK. Hmm. Um, what was TDK sound, sound, uh, sound for? The demountable kid. The just. Dis- Disconnected kid. It was something to do with his arms. Coming oh off. yeah, yeah. That's his, right. His arms came oh, off and, and flew d- away from his body. No, it wasn't disconnected. Oh my goodness! Can someone look it up? <laughs> on it. You also had uh, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Uh, oh, it's Jai Courtney. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Fluva Borg as Javelin. Uh, Mela. So who who what's that? What's that actor from? Flula Borg. Uh, don't, he doesn't look really familiar to me. Um, what uh, what films is he known for? Uh, all filmography. I'm not sure if he's been in very much. Oh no, he's an actor in Fifty Eight Things. So he, um, uh, he was in a lot of uh voice work by the looks of it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, a lot of animated stuff. Um. Yeah, so he was he was Javelin, and then you had uh, Mailing Yitning as uh, Mongol, uh, Peter Davidson as Blackguard, uh, Sean Gunn <laughs> as Weasel. <laughs> Sean Gunn as, I'm going to die now, yeah. I can't say that word. As, as Weasel. Uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't just wheeze. Yeah. It's kind of funny that uh, it's kind of funny no, that he's nothing. yeah it's kind of funny <laughs> that he's playing uh, Weasel because he also plays Rocket in um, in Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's kind of ah. So Fluya Borg is from Pitch Perfect Two. Peter Kramer. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Oh. And um, we've got an additional host apparently. Yeah. This podcast. Oh, okay. So um, Nathan Fillion, the detachable kid. The detachable detachable kid. kid. So we were on the right wavelength there. That's totally cool. And then also Margot Robbie was in that original team as well as Harley Quinn. Yeah. And I was like, when I saw that team, I was like, I know Margot Robbie's like, you know, in, in the film and but all the other all the other characters, I was like going, I think they're gonna kill all these people very, very quickly. And and they literally did. Yeah. They just like, you know, they landed onto the um the shores of their South American country and then very, very quickly got wiped out. Just gone. Just like that. Like literally just blown up and, and torn to pieces. I mean, the first one to, to die was Weasel. Cause like, you know, just jumping out of the, the uh, <laughs> jumping out of the, the plane into the water. Did anyone check to see if Weasel could swim? <laughs> that was Aww. cute. So the, the, who was the character, um, that, well, that was the interesting thing. So they're pulling everyone sort of into the team mm. and you've got the guy who's the, like the, um, the guy with the ball, he can Yon, kill anything. Uh, Michael Roker's uh, savant. Yeah, savant. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just like one of those things where you're just like going, you're so invested in this character. Yeah. When they, when he just goes, everything goes south and he's just like, stuff this, I'm out of here. And then Amanda Waller just presses the button and it's all just sploosh. Yeah. <laughs> 
that was and that was a great that was nasty uh, it was a great arc within like 10 15 minutes to go from him killing the bird yeah. with the ball in the prison to him getting his head exploded in the ocean and then the same bird or the same, same a similar type. bird same type of yeah. like flies down and like you know pecks at his beat <laughs> do you think the beginning was a bit like a um you know, we realized the first Suicide Squad wasn't great. Here, he, you know, here we go. We're yeah. just going to blow it up and start again. Do you think it was a bit of a yeah. nod to that? Yeah, I think pretty much that was what they were aiming for. <laughs> and it was so much better because you got that real sense of we're actually gathering people. We're just yeah. pulling the people that we need with the skills that we need to get the job done. Whereas the first one felt like they were just working with who they had available because they wanted those characters. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like... This one, it was just like, we're having this person because they can do this. We've got this person because they can do that. Whereas the first one was just like, we need to have Joker. We need to have this person. We need to have that just just because we wanted those characters. Mm, true. And I liked how they brought back, like, you know, uh, Captain Boomerang for the first film and then just you know, killed him off. Yeah. 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 And even, like, you see, um, it's Pete Davidson, isn't it, um, who plays... Oh god, I've forgotten already. Too many characters, but I just thought he was going to be a big <laughs> part the of the film. That's the only thing that, yeah, it was a bit of a struggle. That Black, it was blackguard. Blackguard. <sighs> yes, thank you. Yeah, it's like you see these characters and you go, oh cool, that, this person's in it, and then it's like, oh well, no, actually, no, they're not really. Uh, they gone. But that's the thing with they the Mi- with a Michael Roker character, like him starting the film and having such a like poignant kind of scene at the start. Mm-hmm. You think he's going to be a big part of the movie, and then they just kill him off. And so but that that's really good. I mean, that's what the Suicide Squad is all about. Yeah. Is is that these people are expendable. And the and that first team is literally expendable because they're the distraction for the real team to actually get onto the island. Mm. But that but that was like such a that was the bait and switch moment. Mm, mm. It's just like, oh, so now the movie begins. Yeah. But then you've got that whole thing of like, so what's Harley gonna do? Yeah. But you kind of know, like, she's got to be part of the film. For, mm. And she is, so. And there was no way in the world they were killing off Harley Quinn. No. No, but yeah. also Rick Flagg kind of had to be because he has always been the one who's brought the Suicide Squad together. Mm. So, like, what? how? What? And I really like where they took it from there as well. So, you know, it becomes a search and rescue mission for Flagg. Mm. And you've got... Sorry, who's Idris Elba's character? Uh, Bloodsport. Bloodsport. I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, originally, <laughs> originally um, he was actually going to be re- he was going to be cast as Deadshot, which was the character Will Smith played in the first film. Ah. But then they decided that they would. Let's go down a different track and yeah, cause in, change actors, then change character. Yeah, because in cases like they decided to bring Will Smith back. Although, that being said, I think that your Idris Elba shows you how, you know, the right actor in the right role can be, you know, just more powerful because, mm. like, really Will Smith was a bit, you know, wishy-washy in the first Suicide Squad film. Yeah. But the whole um, – su- like, the first film was – it was such a different production. The whole film was a bit wishy-washy. Yeah. And, and, the, mm. and the thing was, you know, uh, David Ayres, who was a director, you can't really blame him for that as well because – yeah, the vision for the film he wanted just didn't come through uh, because they they just made a different film to what he wanted it to be. Mm. Um, so it was yeah, unfortunately he never got to show his version of the of Suicide Squad. True, and I, I did think as well in the first film that the uh, villains in it, the, the all the bad guys, were very faceless kind of bad guys. Mm. And the irony of it is in this film, like in, in the end of the film, Starro the Conqueror is the the big bad that they've got to defeat. 
And Starro is this uh, alien starfish that takes over people's, you know, body and mind and makes them part of the collective by putting these starfish things on their faces. Yeah. So you do have uh, the this, like, the faceless villains at the end because they've all got, like, starfishes on their face. Yeah. But it still felt more connected because they were all, like, part of that same villain so yeah it was an interesting uh interesting way and i never thought i'd ever see you know starro on the big screen like the fact that they actually went that way with a big bad <laughs> or, or or a freaking kaiju like, like well because i was really really confused you're gonna have to explain to everyone what a kaiju is but i'm imagining that it's all those um sub japanese like bigger than life mm. yeah okay mm-hmm. um, yeah godzilla mothra yeah cool i thought so but i was just like going sounds japanese um, the only experience I'd had with that character was when we went on the Batman attraction at uh, Movie World on the Gold Coast and everyone's sort of got these starfish on their faces. I'm like going, wow, what's this about? Oh. And so this was actually kind of cool for that because you're like, oh, that's Make that what connection. that's about. Mm. Oh, now I get it. But before that, totally didn't get mm. – well, I understood vaguely, but it, this gave that a little bit more depth, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I have to admit, when I was watching this, I was really enjoying it, and then all of a sudden we see this giant starfish, and I, I for a very split moment, I went, oh, no, they're bringing in a giant monster. <laughs> this is going to be bad. But I actually liked it because it was comical in a way. It wasn't trying to take itself so seriously, Mm. which was good. And, you know, knowing that that's actually a character or, um, yeah, a part of that world makes it a little bit more interesting. It wasn't just a made-up thing that they just threw in. Sorry, I was like, oh, good, thank goodness. Because, yeah, for a brief moment, I was going, oh, this is where the movie gets stupid. But (laughs) then I realised, no, actually, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. But it it had all these weird tie-ins. So you've got it so that the Americans discovered Starro in space Mm. and and took it in and put it into this place in – um, South America. Yeah. It's like some little island nation with name made up, I'm assuming. Yeah. And so you've got this little island nation. They set up this facility, but the facility has Nazi tie-ins and, and it's got a tie-in with, um, because it's called Jodenheim. It's called Jodenheim, mm. but it's like, it sounds like something from Thor, but it's spelt in a very, German way. It's like J-O-T-E-N-H-E-I-M or something. It's like it's got a really German spelling to it as opposed to what we've seen like with the Nordic kind Mm. of spelling. And so that was interesting. So you've got the Americans effectively working with the Nazis Mm. when you think about it. Well, the Americans did work with the Nazis because when uh, the war ended, a lot of the captured Nazis they brought over to America to work on different programs. Like the the really bad ones because the ones that like escaped and stuff like that. I thought there was like all this like folklore about them going to South America and and going into hiding and stuff like that. Mm. Anyway, I'm, I'm not much into the politics of it, but <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting that you've got this facility that was set up and this this starfish mm. is effectively held captive. So while it's a villain. And it's obviously trying to take over towards the end. It's also a bit of a victim of its circumstances. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of feel sorry for the starfish who's just been trapped and just probably wants to get out and, you know. He did say he was, like, enjoying just, like, chilling, being out in space. And then they all of a sudden brought him onto the spaceship. Poor little, yeah, not little, but poor big starfish. Starfish are funny too. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it was it was interesting though seeing that. But um, in terms of the characters as well, you kind of start to really like them as you watch this film, don't you? Like you realize, well, maybe it's anti-heroes. Yeah, it's anti-heroes, and sometimes it's circumstances that you know make them or get them to where they are. Mm. You know, for example, I you know I felt really sorry for um you know Ratcatcher who Ratcatcher you know, too is such so, a great character, yeah, such a great catcher, and I just felt like she may have just she was imprisoned essentially for um bringing rats. Uh, or where where did she she was I'm originally, not sure what she was I can't in prison quite for. Remember, but there was a brief moment where she was discussing how she was imprisoned. I think oh. because I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I might actually look it up. But yeah, yeah, I felt like she shouldn't really have been there. But the backstory, like it yeah. all, sort of like it it ties in really nicely with it, like each of the characters. Yeah. Like the, it's like a puzzle that fits together really nicely. So you've got all these characters that can each sort of help themselves through. Yep. And one of the things I really loved about Ratcatcher 2 was that she had this really, like, amazing ability to see the good in everyone. Yes. So it's King Shark. She's, like, going, nah, trust him. Like, he's got really kind eyes. Dude, she, like, you just tried to, like, he he tried to swallow you whole. <laughs> it wasn't, what was her little rat friend? What was his name? Oh, goodness. I'm pretty sure it's um, – she's got a couple of ali- – oh, no, that's her aliases. Oh, I'm not sure. He was so cool, the little rat, though. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think was she it, – It wasn't Robert. It was It was like something – it was a very – Sebastian? No. What was no. Na- the rat's name? Oh, no. I think it is Sebastian. It might be. But it – Yeah, she- it was Sebastian Rat. Oh, <laughs> Sebastian Rat. Get- oh. Get the 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 um the animal actor. Guess what his name is? Oh, his slash her. I don't know the gender. Oh, Jaws. Oh, <laughs> that's only because you looked at it. That's so cute. <laughs> it's like oh, Jaws. because Jaws, that's, and there was King Shark. Oh, uh, that's so cool. I think I've, it's cute. I, I, I love King Shark. I just like, I love the fact that James Gunn got uh, Sylvester Sloan to voice King Shark. Yeah, and <laughs> because he can belly speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like all of his lines. It was just like when he's when they're, they're when they're there in that briefing room. Because that's the thing that they start the film with the initial team going into the island getting slaughtered, and then you see them putting together the the real team that's yep. going in there to actually fulfill the mission and uh, you've got like you know, King Shark and Bloodsport and then Peacemaker and I, I love the, the fact that like you know, Amanda Waller's like you know, we're putting together a team of unique individuals with unique abilities and then the description of Peacemaker is exactly the same as the description of Bloodsport mm. and he's like well, what's going it's on there? It's difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really good like just seeing John Cena playing that Peacemaker part and it was kind of it was kind of you know, arrogantly stupid for for the most part of the film. Like mm. you, you know, when he was in um uh, in in that briefing room, and he puts up, puts up his hand, and he goes, "Starfish is a slang term for butthole." Is there anything in that? <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of cute. Yeah. And, and then you got King Shark puts up his hand, and he just goes, "Hand." <laughs> I just find it immensely funny. Um, but yeah, but I think John Cena, like going from being that kind of goofy stupid kind of character to when you know he really shows his his true colors about the whole you know i'll do anything for peace if i've got to kill every man woman and child 
<laughs> but that's the whole thing of this movie is like that whole thing of like they just follow orders. Mm-hmm. So when they go in, so they, they get onto the island, Flag's been taken to another location. Wallace's like, well, we found where Flag is, so we should go get him. So this is your new mission. Mm-hmm. So Team B that's landed on the beach with King Shark and and and, <laughs> and those guys, they go, okay, we're going to go and – Fine flag. And I take it that Bloodsport and Flag have served together. No, no, uh, first time they met in, in the movie. No, 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 they indicated that they'd served together. Did they? Yeah. Oh my God, I just thought they they um, met first time in the movie. Uh, I could be mm. wrong, but if we watch it again, I'm pretty sure that you'll pick up mm. that they've served together at some point. Like they knew each other, and so that's why they have some sort of a connection and a bit of trust. Ah. Oh. Anyway, so so they go in to go and like rescue Flag because he's been held captive and they're taking out all these bad guys and you're kind of cheering them on. And then they get to the point where he's being held captive <laughs> and he's just like chilling and having a cup of tea with his mate. Yeah. And they're like, oh, where are the guards? Why didn't no one announce <laughs> oh. you? And they're like, oh. <laughs> there's that whole like that constant bait and switch mm. of like they're just following orders thinking that this guy is being held captive. And you just, it makes you question how much of that goes on in the real world yeah. where people are just like told like, this is what we have mm-hmm. to do because we need to meet this goal. And it's just like, oh, actually, um, they were just people just being good. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think in that, that scene that they were showing they had trust because I think that Bloodsport and uh, Peacemaker were trying to outdo each other with the, the way they Not were killing Peacemaker. people. Peacemaker. No, Bloodsport and Flag. Oh, Flag. Oh, yeah, those guys probably have worked together possibly in the past. <laughs> Get with the program. Sorry, I thought no, because I thought you were talking about Peacemaker. No, no, no. They're constantly trying to do each other out and uh, outdo each other, rather. Each other out. (laughs) Sounds kind of rude. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so I kind of I like that aspect of like them setting up this team that is just there to follow orders, but then they kind of realize that sometimes they're given the wrong information. Mm. And I think that that sort of plants an idea for all of them or most of them, <laughs> except for Peacemaker who's yeah. just like, this is a mission. I'm going to follow the missions. Yeah. Uh. Oh, Peacemaker. <laughs> He's so funny. But he does really do a massive heel turn at the end. Peacemaker. Yeah. He does like at the at the end of the film, like where he just ends up killing all the most. Well, do you think it was a massive heel turn? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that his heel turn was where he said, "Like, I'm yeah, I'm going to keep the peace. I don't care who I kill on the way." That is your massive heel turn. No, no. I think, I think like when you turn your actual team, <laughs> when you turn your teammates at the end of it. That's oh, true. Yeah, it's kind of and like you know, killing uh, you know Rick Flag and uh, you know um, he was trying to. Wow, kill did you ring too. the spoiler bell? <laughs> the <laughs> whole episode's a spoiler. I know, um, but yeah, it was. I just thought it was good to be able to see him playing that bad guy role because you'd seen him play the bad guy role in uh, Fast and Furious Nine. Mm, like, how- yep. Did did it come across? Was it good as a bad guy? He's a good bad guy. He um he pulls it off well. He's got a very the look. He has a very um kind of cynical, bitter look about him anyway. Where if he if he doesn't smile, he just looks angry and mean anyway. <laughs> Not that he would be. I think he's probably a delightful person in real life, and I'm pretty sure he wore his costume to a a premiere. Oh really? Uh, for for the film, oh, which wow. I think you could, it clearly shows that he's you know really lighthearted and and good fun as well. But yeah, no, he did play the bad guy pretty good. I do think though. Uh, 
he does a better job in comedy roles. I think you can see that he enjoys that more. And yeah. even though he's a little bit serious in this film, there is a little bit of comedy there too. So oh, I think yeah. he gets to juggle that nicely. Whereas in Fast and Furious 9, he was just... He was a bad guy, mm. really. He had redeeming um, – I mean, the, f- the film's been out for a while now. He, he does kind of redeem himself. Mm. But, yeah, I think he definitely enjoys a role where he can be a little bit more fun with it. Mm. So, Because we've seen him in – what have we seen him in as well? Who was the Purely one, comedy role. What was the one he was in where he was, he was playing a really serious but a really nice guy? And I feel like there was some sex involved. Oh. What was that movie? Oh. He was in that movie with um, uh, Amy Schumer. Uh, was it Amy Schumer? Yeah, and then there was that uh, one where he was parents. He was a parent. Yes, that, that, I think that, that might, I think that be, might be the one I was thinking of. And it was just he was just playing this really because he's in Trainwreck. Oh yeah, but he there was, was in playing with fire. Oh, Blockers is the film that I was thinking. Oh, of. Blockers, oh, which is, uh, which blockers, is the, yeah. yeah, and yeah. that's the that's the, probably yeah. the sex part that you were talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I think so. I just oh, that was fun. But you could clearly tell he had a lot of fun in that film. Yeah. So I just think he enjoys uh, being in in those roles. I mean, he might enjoy. Both roles. And, both and look, sides. I think that like this kind of role was probably perfect for him because he could have the fun yeah. and really sort of just like take the piss mm. a little bit. But then he got to do the massive heel turn at the end, mm. which he was pretty cool. Like in WWE, I remember like I think when I first started watching him, I think he was a heel and then he sort of turned nice guy for a while and then he went back to being a heel. And it was just like, oh, that was cool. Oh. <laughs> well, he's never, he's never really like – when he's a heel, he was still in the WWE, he was still kind of – Everyone still kind of liked him, but the um, there's something wrong with liking a heel. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was like he was never really a bad evil kind of heel in the in WWE. Mm. So it's kind of interesting to see him being that in the movies now. Yeah, there's a um, new film coming out on the 27th of August. I don't know if that's uh, here or the US called Vacation Friends. Ooh, that sounds uh, fun. But it's got John Cena in it, so it clearly and it looks like a comedy. Uh, Marcus and Emily enjoy an unusual week without inhibitions when they meet new friends on vacation, but they are horrified when Ron and Kyla show up in, uninvited to their wedding. <laughs> nice. So I wonder who, I think they're probably, yep, so John Cena's playing Ron. And, oh, cool. Yep, so... And looking at the photos here, he's clearly having a lot of. Oh, he's yeah. got a full head of hair. Does he always have hair in his films? Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, it's really yeah. thick. <laughs> oh wow! Because back back in the day, you used to have, have really really close cropped hair. Yeah, but since it's very doing, army kind of yeah. looking. Yeah. yeah, but since you've been doing movies, it's uh, generally speaking, it's more full head of hair these days. Speaking of army looking, Joel oh, Kinnaman, he is. Fully ripped in this. John Kinnaman. He is. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman. Uh, Joel Kinnaman, yeah. sorry, John. Because I remember him from his, um, his well, mostly House of Cards, really. That's probably where I first saw him because he played that politician, Will Conway. Ah. And he was like this family guy who was ex-army and stuff. So he was always kind of built, but like this is just like he's massive. Like he's almost as big as Cena. Mm. No, Maybe about sure the same not, really. size. Oh, he was huge. Cena's, um, he is incredibly big. And it, 
definitely shows when he's wearing that shirt and those shorts that are clearly made for a normal sized man but so after they collect flag they go and they have to do this mission to go and and basically kidnap someone so they can get into jodenheim yeah and so (laughs) they all get civvies and they're just so gorgeous like the whole lot of them they all look pretty much okay yeah except for john cena's character who's just like peacemaker's just wearing this this t-shirt that's just a little bit too short so he's just a little bit of midriff showing and it's very american like you know where you can spot americans walking down the street it's like a vacation like american vacation outfit and so it's like you're gonna stand out like the dog's proverbials (laughs) it's just like this is so funny and they go to this nightclub and everyone's just kind of chilling he just stands out so much <laughs> so funny it's gorgeous i really enjoyed that scene when they were in the nightclub and i really enjoyed when the they scene. all have a drink yeah and then the rat has a drink i he's just like going what the <laughs> i just love how these guys kind of all start to click as as friends yeah and i think that's really cool and they have that really authentic uh moment as well where they're on the on the bus and they're talking about uh you know that that moment um with rat catcher too, too and, and yeah. yeah about family and mm-hmm. it's quite sweet so it's nice because well, you have that. this bit at the beginning where blood sport has an interaction with his daughter while he's in the prison and he's basically telling her to go and like be independent and get her shit together yeah mm. is the long the short of it and he's he's it's almost like she, he's got no time yeah but as the you get into that movie setting sort get further into the movie you go into that setting on the bus and he's just got this real he's got a really paternal vibe going mm-hmm. on and he genuinely cares for Ratcatcher too and you can see that he kind of relates to her on that level of her being a similar age to his daughter and everything like that and her having a really hard upbringing and and all that and he's just like right I'm going to make sure that you get out okay mm-hmm. and you think well, but you just told your daughter to pretty much go get fucked. <laughs> harsh parenting, harsh parenting. Oh, but rough. I suppose he ultimately he's doing what he's doing for his daughter, I suppose. Yeah. At the end of it. And um, that's really sweet moment at the end where the daughter sees the, him on, on TV. TV? Yeah. That's my dad. That's my dad. <laughs> I'm like, that's really nice. So do we talk a little bit about Harley? Yeah, we can't not talk about Harley, can we? I could talk all day about Harley. Like She's that character cool. is just the way that they've developed her through, like the first movie. You're just like going, oh yeah, that's kind of okay. And then you got Harley having her own movie mm-hmm. with um, Birds of Prey, and well, no, that wasn't the title, was it? It, it, it was Harley Quinn. It was Harley um, it was Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Because it's the way really, too really long, long time yeah. to remember. But she's just such a great character because you realise that she doesn't have any um, allegiances to anyone except for herself mm. and finding her own way through things. But the way that they bring her through this movie is just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I it's loved like it. She's the one who ties everything yeah. together. If there was any character that was pivotal to this movie, it's her – but she doesn't have – she's not necessarily the centre of attention all the time. It's, it's quite nice. Mm. 
Yeah, it's good because I think in the first film, it, it took me a little while to get used to her because she was quite an eccentric, mm. over-the-top character. Mm. And then you see her in this film and I think there's just enough of her. Uh, and th- that scene where she's fighting, um, that was quite – it was a violent scene, but it didn't feel too violent. If when that she's made- escaping the – when she's held captive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and she escapes. I really liked that scene. I really liked it and the colourfulness in it too, which I know they used – well, they utilised that in the um, Birds of Prey mm. film too with lots of – The animation with um, the little hearts and everything yeah, going everywhere. Yeah, but I just really liked that. I think it's really colourful and it added something to it and I loved the way that she was, you know, using the bars of the cells mm. to kind of knock people out and yeah. it just flowed really nicely. The choreography was really oh, nice the too. The was... music was great. Um, yeah, and just when it comes to a James Gunn film, the musical will always be great. Yeah, so. true, true. That but is very true. What I loved about that that scene uh, was it was another like bait and switch kind of thing because you had uh, you know the the, um, the team trying to get together to rescue Harley, mm. and then Harley just completely rescues herself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, "What are you guys yeah. doing here? <laughs> you want me to go back in?" <laughs> so cute. Um, and she's so apologetic that they they didn't get there in time. So, but it was yeah, it was really good just to so ha- show how like you know she doesn't need to have anyone else there to rescue her. Mm. And I love the fact that the uh, like Rick Flag gets taken by the uh, the Freedom Fighters. Mm-hmm. She gets taken by the General Presid- Presidente, and then he's like, "We want you on our team," and blah 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 blah, and like gives her the whole spiel. And then she just shoots him and it shoots him dead. <laughs> uh, and it was just like, oh, that's cool because like yeah, before she was like you know with a guy like Joker and she'd just be like following him regardless yeah and but, now what was it? but she said um sorry there were too many red flags and yeah. what was the massive one for her was it, it was something oh that she children. killed kids yeah. oh that he and not she he killed kids yeah and she and I mean I kind of I guess that makes sense because obviously in Birds of Prey she forms that friendship with the with the girl and um yeah and you you know that's really sweet so yeah but that's what's kind of cool about the development of her character is that she's become a true feminist Why yeah she's she's doing everything for herself but she's also got the strong sense of values um so even though she's got no allegiances necessarily she she's got these values where she's like going oh flag he's awesome we love him he's good but she doesn't necessarily have to have i don't know like those Mm tie-ins like she'll once she's i don't know it's hard to say but like she hung out with the president because she thought that would be cool, but then she was just like going, "Oh no, you're not cool. I'll just shoot you." <laughs> yeah. So she's not necessarily got the morals, as in like I'm not going to kill people. She's <laughs> got the morals in terms of like, like, "Oh no, that's bad. Kill it." <laughs> she's trying to do the right thing, yeah, but she's kind of bad at the same. It's hard, isn't it? But oh. I think yeah, I've loved how she's developed. Anti-hero. <laughs> yeah, I just love how she's developed though. You know, going from being so dependent on the Joker. And then, you know, forging her own way mm. in life. Precisely. And just being, you know, I, I can do this. You know, she doesn't have to have no man behind her. Like, <laughs> it's so cool. I love it. I really, um, yeah, going from someone who didn't really necessarily enjoy that character in the like, the 2016 Suicide Squad. Mm. I, I, Yeah, she was a standout for me in this film. I thought that the, the previous iteration of Suicide Squad was very grating for me. Like it was something that tried and mm. just didn't quite get there. Yeah. Having James Gunn work on this one I think was genius because oh, yeah. there's something about – I don't know what he brings to movies, but maybe it's that capacity to make it so that characters all 
mesh in together and there's a reason for each character being there. It's not just because we want to have the Joker, we want to have Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. It's they, they all integrate nicely and there's a reason for them being there and for them having that screen time. I just the 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 wrap up of this movie where you know and you've got that storyline of on the beach um who's the javelin dude javelin it's his name <laughs> oh, no. he's just like harley you should have my javelin you're the only one worthy and she takes great meaning from that yeah and for the rest of the movie she spends her time just going i have to have this javelin and the javelin finds its way back to her after she's held captive and she's just like, I just, I need to find out what this means. Yep. Like someone will tell me, I'm sure. And she works it out at the end. And like the 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 fact that she just like javelins her way into Starro and just like <laughs> floating around in what like the aqueous humor oh, of this yes. freaking giant starfish with one eye. And then the little rats are floating around her too. And then chewing <laughs> away at all the blood vessels. Oh. And you're just like, oh man, that's so gross, but so cool. <laughs> so cool oh it's just it's it's just beautiful the whole thing it's almost like dreamlike and that stuff that you were talking about where she's escaping and killing all these people but there's all this animation and everything going on it really reminded me a lot of um deadpool Mm. or deadpool 2 more so but um it was just something about the violence but this beautiful animation as well. Yeah, it's- it was beautiful violence, and it's hard to kind of define violence as being beautiful. But it was, yeah, it was but really some, well done. Some directors have that capacity because you look at what, um, oh, who else is probably probably Tarantino with the the Kill Bill movies, mm-hmm. where it was so over the top, it almost became um, choreographed and beautiful, yeah. like the blood spurts and everything like that. And you know that it's violent, but you're looking at it just going, this is amazing. Mm. It was violent, but it was over the top, comical, ridiculous violence. Yeah. So, mm. so you kind of like, you, you give, it a, give it a pass. But uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, the, the cast they put together in this film is amazing. I mean, we haven't even mentioned that Peter Capaldi's in there as well. Yes, <laughs> I was trying to get to that in the bar, but then we sort yeah. of deviated, sorry. <laughs> And he's he's always a great person for being a bit of a tweener because he's got that capacity to be really, really good but really kind of have that evil undertone. Yeah. I think that what he thought he was doing was probably he thought it was good. I don't think he necessarily intended to be bad. Yeah, I don't know because like putting star onto all those people's faces was kind of an evil thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think his thinker was, was a rather uh, evil character. But uh, it was it was just yeah good fun seeing uh, Peter Capaldi playing that part and yeah eventually getting his just desserts from Starro so because mm. um, he always had to pay the price because of doing all those nasty things to that starfish yeah poor, poor starfish. starfish yeah <laughs> <laughs> I loved I loved uh, um, uh, David Dismulsion as uh, a polka dot man as well I thought that was his character was really cool. Um, and it, the the fact that he was you know treated so poorly by his mum, and like every time he looked at someone that he was fighting, all he saw was his mum, was was fantastic. <laughs> That's the thing is that it kind of took this really cool way of looking at all these people that were really messed up mm. and how they see the world. Yeah, it was like it was neat. He's cool. He was a 
great character, wasn't he? I just love his um, awkwardness. Yeah. <laughs> just with everything. He's so awkward. So awkward, but so good-hearted. Yeah. Mm. Like, even though he, like, he obviously had this capacity to be really lethal, mm-hmm. he was very good-hearted. Yeah, and I love how lethal his powers were. Like, because the, the whole polka dot thing is so, sounds so naff, mm. but they were actually very powerful, like, weapons when, when used. Mm. Um, but, yeah, but I think David Dismulsion as an actor is, is a great you know, act, character actor. Are you sure that's the correct pronunciation? Yeah, because he's been on um, uh, Kevin Smith stuff a lot. Okay, cool. So yeah, I've heard his name pronounced quite a lot. That's cool. Um, but yeah, he was uh, obviously before the, this, he was also an Ant-Man 1 and 2. Yeah, Actually, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, playing like the Russian uh, guy in their in their group of, uh, you know, villains come heroes. Mm. Uh, and before that, he was in uh, The Dark Knight uh, as the cop that gets captured and interrogated by um, Harvey Dent. Mm. Um, so he's had been in a few comic book films. Yes. He's, um, he's, he, he just seems very different in each of his roles, but then mm. once you realise that it's him, you're like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, just such great, you know, great actors they got for, for this. And uh, I think you know, Idris Elba, um, as the lead for the, the second team, he's just got so much gravitas and so much just like you'd lead you you'd, you'd follow him into a firefight mm, like yeah he's that kind of kind of person yeah um so yeah and those, those are the kind of characters that he's always played are just people that have just got this really solid um i don't know like he's always got his way about him so you look at him and uh oh my goodness i can't think what was the name of the series that he was in um the wire oh he was in the wire yeah yeah, yeah. And he was just like, even though he was, he wasn't necessarily a good guy in that by any stretch of the imagination. You could see how everyone was following him, and and then you had him as, well, you had him <laughs> in the other Heim. Yep. <laughs> so it's just like you you look at him as being Hem, um, Hemdell. Hemdell. Yeah. yeah. And he, you could see how he was in that powerful role and being able to control such a, a powerful contraption because he just, he has that presence. Mm, mm. And, and then you had the, um, he had it where, um, oh goodness, um, I can't think what his name is, Bones, <laughs> um, uh, where he took over Hemdale's role. Oh, uh, oh, you, you mean, um. It wasn't Skeg. What was the character? Was the character's name Scourge? Skeg? Scourge. Scourge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Scourge, uh, yeah, it was, um, he was, yeah, definitely an interesting, very similar to the comic book character version of him. Oh, really? Yeah. But you could see, like, you know, the difference between having, like, this powerful, strong person who should be the mm, gatekeeper yeah. kind of person. And then you have Scourge doing it where he's, like, collecting, like, M16s yeah. and <laughs> doing all weird stuff like that. But yeah, that's off track. But yeah, he definitely has that, that mm. incredible gravitas. Yeah. It's yeah. great. No, I thought it was a, a fantastic film. I, I love in the the post, well, in the mid credit scene and post credit scene, uh, Weasel uh, like comes back to life and, and just, just off. runs off into the, into the bush. <laughs> Good on your Weasel. So, so, so Weasel made it through, yes. uh, and also um, Peacemaker apparently uh, made it as well. Ah, yes, yes, at the very end. Mm. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Like, Next, you know, yeah. Because obviously Bloodsport killed him uh, or killed him. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interested to see uh, how they bring him back and, and what the ramifications are. Well, and because Amanda Waller's 
underlings are the ones that are charged with like looking after his recovery. Mm. So that will be mm. interesting to see how that pans out because um, Amanda Waller's team pretty much turned against her in this movie. They did. True, yeah. Which yeah. is very cool. Like they realise that they that they can't just follow her orders. They need to overthrow her and effectively save the world because if star like how could she not have seen that starro was a a, a threat a large-scale mm, threat mm. to the to the world in general i just that's that's that whole thing of just like following very tunnel vision orders yeah yeah not seeing like things outside that scope mm, mm. she's like right this is what we're doing now and this is what we're doing next and oh okay we can make this one little deviation yeah like, oh, come yeah. on no it was a bit of a shock when um i, I love the girl though that <laughs> that was cool <laughs> what did she say after she's like to one of the characters bad was it barry get to work barry you dickhead or something <laughs> like that <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> like, put the club away yeah <laughs> I love seeing that in her, like that empowerment. She's like, I'm the boss now and just completely takes over. Yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch the original Suicide Squad and see whether the team had as big a role. Yeah. Mm. That was pretty funny at the beginning where they're all taking bets on who's going to die. And I should have realized when that was happening. That, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I realized that too. I was like, ah, it all makes sense now. Whereas Lewis had realized a lot earlier than us. Yeah. You're a bit brighter. Well but done. still, regardless, I love how it just kicks into the action straight away. Mm. There is no messing around with this film. There's no wasted time whatsoever. No. But I love how there's just like the characters are, you know, redeeming as well. There's some, you know, that authentic side to it. There's comedy in it. There's action. It's just got a bit of everything for everybody. And uh, I really one. like that this is the movie that you've said um, that you've never been particularly interested in many comic book movies, yeah. but you, you didn't feel like the time was ticking slowly. I just, yeah, not at all. I often will sit through a film, not all the time, but sometimes, you know, when you get to a point in a film and you go, oh, this is going to wrap up at some point because mm. I just was loving this so much that I could have easily watched another hour mm. of this. Like, I know it's quite a long film, two hours, 12 minutes, I think it clocks in out. Really? I possibly. Yeah, I could be wrong. But it didn't feel long mm-hmm. at all. And, yeah, like I've always said i'm not huge on the the comic book world and there's very few comic book films i will watch and actually go oh yeah that was something really cool but i had so much fun watching this like and this is the one that i would have at least expected too Mm. considering the first Mm. one Mm. just being quite a well because i think the first image that i'd seen about this movie Mm. was when we got into the cinema and you have that you know the welcome screen yeah and i looked at it and i looked at rat catcher's pose with this thing that had like this sort of like you know sort of weird kind of explosiony thing going on behind it and i was just like going oh this looks awful yeah and i turned to lewis and i was just like going oh maybe i should go <laughs> <laughs> but once you get started it's yeah. it's absolutely brilliant yeah and i kind of wish i'd seen the trailer first mm. because i think it would have increased that enthusiasm for the movie mm. But I think just James Gunn, knowing James Gunn did it, was should mm. make you enthusiastic, knowing what he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it was the thing that kept me there, mm. definitely. Mm. It was good. It was very good. <laughs> should we wrap it up then? I think so. All right. Well, if you want to uh, hear more of the general pop culture, do uh, go to thegeneralpopculture.com uh, where you can see our, uh, some details on our other podcasts, Unscripted the Film Show, uh, Diz Down Under, and, of course, the show you're listening to right now, Tangent City. Uh, and until next time, we'll catch you then. Bye. 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 This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.